Welcome to River of Suck Podcast, Episode 9. We're here at Rustic Roots Music and Food Retreat in the San Luis Valley in Colorado. So we're here sitting with Rustic Rutians. We've got a good crew here. What do they sound like? Who are you, Rustic Rutians? And today my guest is Rick Robertson. Hello. <laughs> What's up, Rick? You're a mandolin player and a guitarist and a singer-songwriter and a fiddler and a multi-instrumentalist, keyboard player, drummer, producer, wow. jammer, sure. musician All of, of it. deep love. <laughs> I like to <laughs> make connections amazing vibes. between the things. Oh. Well, this I am those things, but in addition... I am a rustic Russian. Yes. <laughs> which is a, a part of my identity, beginning with getting to know you, my friend, and then manifesting itself and being an instructor at the camp in 2012 was the first year. Wow. So I did 12, 13, 14. It's a solid run. And now it's 19. It was five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, what does being a rustic Russian mean to you? Well, let's break it down. Rust. <laughs> Rust. <laughs> Gotta get that You've been left in. out a little long. You know. Yeah. Rust does not necessarily lead to something functioning in its highest, slickest capability. Sure. But it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ick. <laughs> <laughs> Ick. Funk. Ick. <clears throat> Yuck. Oh. Love it. Ick. Rick. Ick. <laughs> All right. What's next? Root. Earth. Roots. Gardens. Yeah. Roots in music. Source. Yeah. Flame. Source of the flame. Center of the fire. Roots. Yeah. And Word shins. That's <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, having your shorts on. Getting those mosquito bites just so that you don't have to stop playing the last chorus of Swedish walking tune. Yeah. You sacrifice those shins. So there you have it. Yeah, we've had some pretty interesting times at camp. When we first started, it was called a primitive music camp. Right. But we eventually found that Rustic pointed to that element just fine. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So we became a campfire jamming camp. That's right. It's been hard to convey how much time we spend eating and making unbelievable, life-changing food. Right. So now we call it a retreat. Quality. Yeah. Quality of, of sensory experience <laughs> out in the woods with instruments made of wood and with a drive to become closer to that source, whatever it is. Huh. Yeah. That's what I feel connected to here. Yeah. You know, while you're getting closer to it, you're just indulging in you know, the <laughs> fine things. <laughs> yeah. Rick Robertson, hmm. I would like to know what makes you your youest you, and how did you become the person you are today? Wow. <laughs> well, okay, so let's start with how I found my way to make my living. Actually, this is a good time to check mark for me because my birthday is tonight at midnight. It's my 30th birthday. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting thing as a musician. I've, I've never had another job than playing music. 
feel really lucky and also to have been doing that since I was young and also it's been a a path that takes a lot of determination but in its essence that's the answer to your question <laughs> is playing music that's yeah. what makes me the most me the me is me yeah <laughs> and what's what brought me here it's music so it brought me everywhere you know that's a whole you know the biography or whatever we could get into that but where I'll start with now where I've arrived and where I, how I feel like myself yeah. every day is that I have a studio in my house and so I've designed my basically dream world from when I was a kid. I just have all the recording gear I want, a drum kit, sweet guitars, mandolin fiddles, live with a house full of musicians, live on Frenchman Street in New Orleans, play gigs with all these old school New Orleans musicians, all these young New Orleans musicians, yeah. travel to play bluegrass and gigs. You know, that All that stuff takes my entire life to manage. But I do it because not because it's the most lucrative industry, uh, clearly, but <laughs> because it makes me able to be myself every day. Yeah. And I'm able to express these complex things about myself that I can only express through music or writing or producing records. And I think some other people that don't get to play music feel those things but can't express them. And so that's when it becomes a good thing to put out in the world, like food, like good food that we cook here. You know, bison sausage or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's just good. It's nice when you've hiked up to the bat caves and back down. You know, you need a good song and a good sausage. And yeah. So you're saying mining songs to the, at yeah. the old mine. Yeah. It's oh, all yeah. the most epic rainbow. Double. But double. like more than Maybe double. Maybe like double, double and a half. Because the triple. bottom had like an entire rainbow just of purple. Yeah. Like a secondary half rainbow. Yeah. Extended spectrum. Right. Flat nine. Yeah, it's totally... <laughs> man, but I feel like the purple one is more like a natural nine. Sure. Well, well like, but there's... Your, but there's in, you're entitled to that. Opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the flat nine was the rock dust in my eye from the jam. Oh, that'll happen. Let's get into the River of Suck. We first heard about the River of Suck from John McGann, mm. giant inspiration of both Rick and mine Truth. at Berkeley College of Music. Yes. And uh, I just remember him using the phrase River of Suck in our lessons to talk about how to get from where I was to where I needed to go. Yeah. In terms of like musical goals that he had for me that I should attain to and like learn from his unbelievable musicianship and right. amazing personhood. Right. I'm super curious to hear if you can remember anything about what he said about the river suck in your lessons or. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have John's exact, the, the analogy that he used yeah. a lot with me early on, and I, I'll just use it even though this is segueing off a little bit. Yeah. Was about timing and, and the moving car on the highway. Oh can yeah. Talk about that with you. Oh yeah. The driver's yeah. seat, the hood ornament, back seat, the trunk with the dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Um, and the concept just being that if a car is moving, you can be sitting on the hood or sitting on the trunk and be moving the same speed. Different kinds of music ride in different parts of the car. That will change everything about the way that you're really... It helped me engage just with the stylistic intricacies of jazz versus old time versus bluegrass country. R&B, whatever, because they all, the metronome might be the same, but they all kind of 
congregate in a different place in the car. Yeah, and the steering wheel is the uh, metronome click. Sure, yeah, okay. <laughs> or the engine. I okay. don't remember. Depends you, on the car. Depends on the car. <laughs> <laughs> but talk, break down the river of suck. Well, yeah. How you remember John. I remember him talking about it, and I started doing sessions that I called Healthy Musical Attitudes. We have brains, and it's hard to like keep it together totally. when you're experiencing feelings and trying to be a person and trying to be an artist, trying to have hobbies, trying to be like right. a good family person and like do your job. and like That's a lot of things. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be a person. Yeah. I've been talking about it, and I can't remember how much of it is stuff that I've been thinking of since inspired by John and like right. what he originally said. Right. Here's how I think about the river of suck. Sure. You're standing on one edge of the river of suck behind you is your comfort cave. Okay. So you do all your things you already know how to do. Yeah. On the other side is future versions of yourself. You can do yeah. the things you wish you could do now. You yeah. can see them off in the distance, but in between you and the other side is this big raging river of, Whitewater rapids and rocks and thought piranhas. Thought piranhas. Which are those negative thoughts that right. just pop into your head. And you're like, what do I do with that? Yeah. That's not helpful. Not Brain, stop sabotaging me. Stop. I'm trying to have fun here. Mm. I'm trying to just play music. <laughs> Give me a break. The river represents the struggle. Last time I saw you, you couldn't play the fiddle. Right. <laughs> But I bet five years ago when you started playing it a lot. Oh, I lived in the River of Suck. Yeah. Yeah. And being a multi-instrumental, that's like, that's my happy place. Yeah. I love a challenge. The River of Suck is the process. Yeah. Especially with learning singing. Mm -hmm. Those thought piranhas are real vicious. Yeah. Because that's your voice. That's vulnerable, man. Yeah. And that's been probably the biggest challenge for me in my career as a musician. I feel and, that. And something to come to terms with. Like, I have records that, like, the first record I made, you know, the Eric Roberts and the Boston Boys record when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a cool record. It's not sung well. I'm just singing it. <laughs> that's cool. You know, like, I, yeah. it's taken a long time for me to be like, that's fine. That's just like learning anything else. But that's a harder one when you're that age and when you're really putting yourself out there. Like, the voice, it's taken a lot of letting go. It's taken a lot of, like, real street gigging in mm-hmm. New Orleans and other places. And Rustic Roots, people like Chris Turner and Jerry Bryant. I remember think, having that sort of revelation at the early Rustic Roots I was with, or, or certainly the first times playing with Chris, mm-hmm. and, and watching how that man could let his voice of his body ring out the same way as the bagpipes. There was no <laughs> difference. It was like he had as much thought going in his head as the bagpipe had going through its, you know. Yeah. And that's a that's a hard one with singing. I want to talk about feelings. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever experience having feelings? Yes, I do. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of feelings sure do. what kind of feelings do you have? Huh. How what do you what are you asking here? <laughs> well, so what I'd like to I've experienced some pretty intense emotions recently. Okay. Like so we're just talking about all kinds general. of good ones and 
bad ones. And I've yeah. come to realize that I can't control what I'm feeling, mm. but I can control how I react in my actions sure. in response. Sure. I feel like the more you can kind of self-reflect on your feelings, the more you can be a happy person and express yourself and be a better person to all the people around you. Yeah. Be a good rustic Russian. Yeah. More specific feelings would be like fear. Yeah. Regret. Yeah. Hope. Yeah. Optimism. Is that a feeling? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Happiness. Yeah. Well, I think first off that, you know, they're not isolated and that they right. come together in little packages. So that to me is, you know, why I mm-hmm. love a good song. Yeah. It's when you get a good package of them together. Hmm. Yeah, I have, I'm a very, very emotional person, Andy. <laughs> sensitive, sensitive yeah. guy. And uh, it can be your strength or it can be your detriment. And it can implode on you, too, if you don't use it. That happened to me, man. You know, but before the time I moved to New Orleans, I got kind of down and depressed for a while, a few years. Hmm. And I was in a relationship for a long time that was getting trickier and there was repressed feelings and communication there. And I was in a band that was together forever, the Boston Boys, which yeah. then became the Riggs, the Rondo Riggs, members came and gone. Half of us moved to New Orleans. Me and the girl I was with at the time moved to New Orleans. And then the band split up in six months. Me and this woman split up. I was in New Orleans alone. And the reason that throughout all that, I was having a lot of medical issues. I was at the time addressing through doctors and 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 sometimes that was necessary depending yeah. on the severity of it but also with acupuncture or you know meditation everything dietary and I just couldn't get to the root of it and generally depressed even though a lot of cool stuff was happening at that time too in my life mm-hmm. um moving to New Orleans being a part of it. but there was some kind of deep neglect of the actual emotions that were brewing up in me and it was manifesting right. in my skin manifested in ways that were making other things in life like difficult so the band broke up the relationship fell apart and that was hard (laughs) that was crazy (laughs) you know that's like we were together six and a half years and the band was that was my whole thing and all of a sudden i was down in new orleans like alone and it's why how did you even get here i had nothing to do but like write songs i mean that was it and it wasn't always fun even it was just the only thing to keep me from being totally and um that's is the first album I've ever loved that I've made. Which and one? It's called The Fool, comma, The yeah. Friend. Rick Robertson. That's when I changed my name from Eric to Rick, dropped the E. I mean, part of that is symbolism. Mm-hmm. You know, part of that is about shedding something. That was what that was. And realizing, I mean, the main, the main thing I realized when the band broke up and the relationship broke up is I just, I needed to actually lean into myself a little bit and not depend on so many other things and like lean into those emotions and the emotions became the most useful thing for a record that's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad. It's still fun to listen to. You could dance to it, parts, you know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like, ultimately, a lot of heart wrenching songs, you know. Yeah. Um, I could play you one. You know. Yeah. Why don't uh, you play but, this one? Okay. But there's a lot of different emotions. Here. I'll give you a good one. Uh, this one, it's a pun. You know. Well, you'll get it. But that's how it started. It was kind of a joke. But this was like in the heat of the sadness. And it ends up being sort of a sad... um, But I guess it's sort of representative of maybe a way to bundle those emotions up and then writing the song in that way kind of can be therapeutic. Yeah. 
palmettos play cards in the corner The roosters outside both sound drunk It's four in the morning As I recall someone warning The New Orleans In the summertime is rough Well I knew it hit hard But not this hard A week and a half into June Now the window won't open The AC is broken And I've got only one fan in the room I've got only one fan Spinning round on the ceiling And it won't cool me down It can't feel how I'm feeling And it won't call me honey Or tell me how funny I am At the end of the tune Only one fan in the room We came here as lovers and dreamers With our whole life in the back of a truck made each other stronger and we cheered each other on and together we couldn't be touched well I knew things got bad but not that bad and it all fell to pieces so soon now I don't mean to sound helpless ungrateful selfish but I've got only one fan in the room I've got only one fan spinning round on the ceiling and it won't cool me down it can't feel what I'm feeling and it won't call me honey or tell me how funny I At the end of the tune There's just only one fan up there It's clicking and clacking And doing its best To keep me distracted But my mind is defenseless And her memory Relentless as New Orleans In the middle of June I've got only one fan in the room But I used to have two <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So, you know, that's, that was a song that was, I was super sad when I wrote it. I was literally, like, in our apartment that we lived in in the middle of the summer in New Orleans, hot. Fan like clacking. Yeah, I was like only one fan. I was like only one fan. That's kind of funny, <laughs> but like heartbroken. And then just the act of having to put those puzzle pieces together and those rhymes and the chords was so therapeutic to get yeah. my mind off of the sh- that I was in. Yeah. 
you write a lot of words. Yeah. And they're great and I words. Sing, and I know a lot of and songs. And you remember them. I remember a lot of songs. How do you remember good them? Good with lyrics. Well, I tend to not forget lyrics if they're good. Ah. Even though that sounds... I'm not <laughs> saying that about my own stuff. <laughs> sure. but, I, but I am saying about the, my own stuff because I yeah. write a lot of lyrics that don't make it to the song. And if I can't remember it, mm-hmm. then it's like probably not that good. Mm. And any good song or songwriter that I really... You know, I spend time with the stuff, but at the same, mm-hmm. at the same time... If a song makes sense, I remember it in a place of my brain that's not... Like, once I start singing some old Hank Williams song, I'll know the words as they're coming out. Because that stuff is indestructible. It's the same as uh, fiddle tunes, man. Sure. I feel like it's way easier for me to memorize instrumental music than words. Mm -hmm. That's way harder for me. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess, I don't know, I know a lot of fiddle tunes, too. But you know a lot of fiddle tunes. Yeah. <laughs> but good ones. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's like, if they're good, so, it's a physical. Yeah. It's a physical memorization. Yeah. I learn a lot of songs, too. And yeah. the more you learn, yeah, the yeah. easier it is to remember them. Got to suck at something before you can be good at it. Totally. I was doing seven hours a day for four days a week on Bourbon Street, leading a band at a bar. And uh, I don't like to be reading lyrics when I'm playing music, so. And I don't like to play the same songs every day either. Yeah. And I don't. I didn't play my music on those gigs. No way. My music's too important to me, you know. So, I use that to practice. And totally. so instead of just learning a a John Prine song or a Dylan song, I learn a an album. Yeah. Like you know, just learn it all, memorize it all. Now I maybe know two of them from that record because <laughs> you know, it's just the constant act of. Exercising that muscle, maybe. Yeah. Cedric, who was a recent guest here, Cedric Easton, mm. he was talking about how sometimes fear might just be laziness. Like you're afraid of doing something because you haven't put in the time required to be able yeah. to be good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I also like, I think fear is useful for me. I get intimidated. I've always been intimidated in musical situations my whole life. And uh, I run back to them. Because hmm. it's like the scariness is kind of... Exciting? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I try to like get rid of that fear. Sometimes you, play, you have a whole gig and you can't play. <laughs> and it's like, because <laughs> you're not up to par with the musicians on the gig. It's going to happen if you're doing the right thing. If you're getting better at music, that should be happening if you're playing gigs. Yeah, playing music with people you better Sometimes you've got to play you. a gig. It just sucks. Yeah. And go home and feel like, that sucked. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm man. not trying to translate that and be like, yeah. maybe my fear is just apathy. It's like, that's fear, and you feel like shit because you sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I had a... The solo piano gig in New Orleans that was three days a week in a bar. And Whoa. it was from noon to, like, three. Whoa. And sometimes from noon to two, there was just nobody in there. Not even the bartender. She would just be outside. Not, I don't know. It was a flu. I don't know how I got hooked up with this gig. I was on it for a few months. My buddy was managing the place. They paid me $100 a time. I walked to the gig. Talk about a godsend. Just me and a piano. But... The second day, it's like three hours by yourself. So if I go in the second day and I'm just like kind of playing piano of songs I know, 
Like, I felt terrible about it. Constant, probably once a week. I would go home and be like, man, Dr. John, Professor Longhair, James Booker, like, me? Why, <laughs> Why am I sitting in New Orleans getting paid 100 bucks to play piano? <laughs> and so I learned Big Chief and Tipitina and, you know, the shit that f- people developed on the piano when they were sitting alone in New Orleans because it feels great when you're alone to do it. And it took months and months and months in practice. Yeah. But now I'm not the greatest piano in the world, but I have at least a foundation of like, okay, that's what that feels like. It's the same with my old-time fiddling. I'm not a qualified old-time fiddler in many regards, but I've sat with it enough to feel what feels good, you know, Mm -hmm. to like, for me. And that's not going to be basic. And that just comes with the honesty with yourself. And I think that's fear-based, just to bring it back to what you're saying. I think that's why I kind of was talking about that. A lot of that is like fear of inadequacy mm-hmm. and uh that, that's, you can define that for yourself yeah so it's good that i'm in a bar playing a piano that's better than somebody being in there you learn from uncomfortable situations <laughs> it's all relative right right and but your own level of comfort i mean i guess that's up to, up to everybody i like uncomfortable situations maybe more than some other people and less than some other people yeah so Maybe it's not always discomfort that leads everybody to their next thing, but that's definitely how I interpret the river of suck. Yeah. Largely is that discomfort. I never think about it getting across the river. I think about it like when up, we're jamming and hanging here. out and sleeping and eating and yeah. let's say anything else. Drinking? Yeah. Things that <laughs> we like to do that aren't working. Yeah. Then you're on the shore. And then the rest of your time you just jump in the river of suck. And yeah. that's where the rest of life happens. <laughs> and I think that's how I interpret it. Like, life is a river of suck. Yeah. It kind of helps me come to peace with it. Like, you know, okay, there's like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, there, there's people, there's horrendous going on in the world right now. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we all have to jump in that river of suck, and it sucks. But at least at night, we get to jump onto the shore into our comfort caves. Sure. Right. I mean, there's joy in the river of suck, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the feeling. Joy is, you know. Joy is everywhere in my life. <laughs> right. I don't know. It's tough. It's, I'm always, I'm almost always in the river. I don't know. I've developed enough confidence maybe, I guess, to not really care about sucking yeah, <laughs> in front exactly. of people. I think that's why I love recording. Because yeah. in, the rec- in the recording studio, the river of suck is also. That's the real honesty. That's the river. That's the river of the golden takes yeah the takes are in the river of suck they're not on the comfort shore right if you want takes from the comfort shore go make a record in nashville yeah that's why we have home studios <laughs> yeah that's where emotional perfection comes from yeah is that vulnerability i guess that comes with different phases of musicians you know i'm at a point now i'm really trying to be on the road doing my show every night and at that point you have to be on a, riv- a microscopic level of river of suck where you're like i know that i f***ed up abc but the show is still great and you can't be hung up like, that was terrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I know people like that. And it's like, get over yourself. We're, you know, we're bartenders. We're chefs. We're the same as everybody else when you're making music. I think a lot of the thought piranhas, people get caught up that, like, making music is a bigger deal than doing anything else. <laughs> I think it can be liberating, you know. It's like, yeah, even if you're playing in front of 1,500 people every night, that's just your job. And at the end of the day... If you feel like you messed something up, 
it's more important about the experience the people had. Totally. And if you are so zoomed in on yourself that you can't see what the bigger, if yeah, that yeah. if the bigger experience is getting off, then it's time to you know consider it. But um, totally. So I try never to like never to leave the river too much. Nice. I guess you got to get good at dodging <laughs> the piranhas. Well, sometimes they bite you, and you have to keep swimming. That's true. That's super true. <laughs> and you're like, ow. Okay. Right. Next thing. Right. <laughs> Try it. Go to sleep. Try yeah. again later. Well, and other things are happening. Other people, other body issues with yourself. All these other things can then come into your swim. Totally. Pattern. Yeah. How do you keep out? Which stroke are you using? Which stroke are you using? Which strategy are you using? How fast are you swimming? <laughs> Does the current catch you? Send you around in circles? You could sit on the shore for a few days in a row. Hey, Might be cool. Soak up the sun. Soak up the <laughs> sun, man. <laughs> Cooking awesome food together is a comfort zone in a way. Yeah. yeah like yeah, this I is like our natural <laughs> environment of stuff we love to do. Well, that's what I would say. This is camp's a perfect example of that. Like it's in the river of suck, but it's like, I don't know. Low risk thought piranha. Yeah. Try to be very welcoming and supportive. <laughs> yeah. Like actively encouraging people to suck on purpose to learn things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying about the fear on gigs. Mm. When you're on a gig and you're messing up, I mean, there's there's hardly space to like process. And the band leader knows. Oh yeah, and you might not even know the band. Like in New Orleans, I might have got coffee. Yeah. I don't know anybody in the band. Band you know? leader hears everything, and he's the guy who hired you. Yeah, and if it's someone you respect and and you know they're not feeling it, it's like it's hard to have the space to process that feeling, you know. Sure. But I think over the years, having a lot of teachers that were pretty harsh i think which i'm grateful for now <laughs> yeah like john would you yeah you'd say he was pretty john harsh. McGinn, he was very honest he was honest yeah he was also my friend you know yeah. so yeah, i yeah. i respected everything he told me but like he wasn't afraid to be like dude like you know what are you doing <laughs> that sounds stupid <laughs> or like you know you're not you don't know the tune or whatever you know yeah. he knew my what i could do Mm-hmm. And Glacier was the same way. Matt Glacier was the same yeah. way. You know, another one actually. The heart, one of the harshest I had at Berkeley was Livingston Taylor. Oh yeah. Did you take his class? I did. He would shred people. I apart saw he on, made on somebody stage. cry every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every every class somebody left crying. Oh man, it was the best. It was the best. This is James Taylor's older brother. Yeah. So he knows what it takes, you know. <laughs> He's not going to beat around the bush. He's like, you'll be my competition later. The class was <laughs> right. Right. At a certain point, there is truth to that. Yeah. There's like only so many gigs, man. You want my gigs? <laughs> I can show you the path. It's like, you really gonna do if it? that's useful yeah. for you to get better, I think a lot of my favorite musicians, that was a very big part of how they got as good as they got. 
Almost all of them. Yeah. That was a huge part of it, was the struggle to work. Yeah. And just like having a growth mindset when you're working, I think is what you're talking about a little bit. Yeah. Like every time I play a gig, I'm learning. I've been in this jam band, Wetwater Ramble. Yeah. I call it jam band boot camp. Yeah. For fiddlers. Yeah. Because <laughs> just have to, just have to really bring a story to the solos and you get do. out of the way of the song and like. Or else you'll go crazy if you're yeah. not getting better. That's how your brain's designed. Right. That's how mine's designed too. We'll we'll implode. Yeah. We have to be working on something that's like there is no stasis. You're either moving toward or away from something. <laughs> yeah. And so. You, and if you, you know. dig deep, then you have to dig deeper. Right. Go to the next level. Absolutely. Find the psychedelic level 17, if you can. It only goes deeper. When the music feels transcendent. Yeah. Something that I believe we get at this camp, that I'm stoked to jam with you all around the campfires yeah. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, that conversation, though, yeah. about music being your work. For yeah. me, the first question you ask me is, like, what makes me me? Yeah. Where my you is the you of the universe, whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. And I, and the first, I was like, sure. well, that's my job. Yeah. And that puts me in a different position than a lot of people. And music plays a different role in all kinds of different people's lives. So that's sort of the angle I'm speaking at it from when I talk about those things like fear and work and needing to work and the musicians that I'm aspiring to be like, you know, Ray Charles and John Prine and Bill Monroe and, you know, Joni Mitchell and whatever, these titans of music yeah, and craft, <laughs> you know... I put them on a pedestal, but I also don't because I'm only a musician. So, like, it's not something I do when I come home from my other job, and it never has been. And that makes it that that provides an intensity that for me has kept me going 30 years doing it. But for that's sure. only one angle of what music is. <laughs> and Rustic Roots is a whole different thing at different hours. And I think what makes it the most unique music camp, in my experience of the three years I've been here before and even now, is the ability to have a nucleus and these different sort of tribal yeah. natural layers where people can engage in different levels. Oops. And we're hoping that the Russians discover their own version of the themist versions of themselves. Absolutely. Your you is you. We had a class, guitar class this morning where Brian was showing me some really complex jazz harmony and our other student, um, Hadar, she yeah. learned an E chord. Yeah. And everybody left with something. Mm-hmm. that's going to make their engagement with music richer in their life, which is good for everything. It's good for people around you. It's good for your brain. Music's good, I think. Oh, yeah. We've got a little uh, environmental music. We have an environmental hazard. It's okay. It doesn't sound that bad. It sounds like music. Sounds good. In a way. Cool. Anyone? Anybody got a question for Ricky? Got a question? Anyone want to sit in the hot seat? I'll do that. Yeah. Cool. Got Linz Moran coming up here. Would you give us one practice strategy, either a technical one or an emotional, psychological, something you yeah. use when you're working with a new, yeah, yeah, anything yeah. you want to learn? Yeah. Yeah. I started mentioned this earlier with how I've designed my home to be this sort of dream fantasy land and I think this is like I have a very romantic relationship with practicing that's part of the reason I always switch instruments 
is because I just have to like love whatever. It just has to feel right. I'm very have to be in the mood. Okay, so like I'll give you an example. Like piano. As soon as I decided I wanted to learn tipatina, the right hand And while you play that in the right hand, in the left hand you go That's one bar of music. That took me three days. But it never got boring because to me, if I have a metronome on and I'm playing that polyrhythm on piano, it was like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm doing that. Even though it's one bar. Which for somebody else is like, <laughs> I can't think about it like I went to Berkeley, I didn't go for piano, why am I doing this? There's no room for that. Mm-hmm. But it happens all the time. That's yeah, all the time. Every day. With everything. But you have to just keep, if you love it, again, that's my psychological strategy is like, is, and as soon as I don't love it anymore, take a break or whatever. That hasn't kept me from like working hard. Right. I'm just like, if someone's to look at my day, I look like a crazy person. Because I'm like, oh, 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 whatever. You know, I'm like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, I'm okay with hearing the same crazy thing over and over. You just have to accept if you're an artist, you're a little bit crazy person (laughs) isolated but that helps me feel more like a normal person so you know cool thanks yeah thank you Linz. anybody else got a question for rick robertson hi i'm alice gold i'm a rustic ruchian yeah how you doing so my question is with how do you like manage all your instruments like you have so many how do you practice have time and actually work on them and you know you have a life too so how do you use your life too well it's gone through phases and i would put that even into years of my life i'm a firm believer that staying warm on any one instrument or any one thing in life like reading books cooking food stretching if you can expand your mind to relate those things i think they all really do feed each other Like, I think when I practice drums, I'm getting better at piano. When I practice mandolin, I'm getting better at fiddle. It's like, as long as you don't get hung up. And then, again, hours. Just put in the hours. (laughs) But if you're really putting in the time and you're loosening your body, you're loosening your mind, you can play as many instruments as you want. And you'll probably get better at each one. Cool. Thanks. Goat. Testify. Goat goat interlude. Goat interlude. So you got a new record coming out. I do. Oh, I ha- but no release date? <laughs> no release date uh, yet. It will be announced soon. We're figuring that out. My first record, The Fool of the Friend, is out on Spotify and iTunes. My second one, uh, 11 Songs, we'll, we'll figure out how those will be released. But yeah, new music's coming, getting ready to start working on the third. So Sweet. We're going to listen to a song now. Yeah. What, tell us about this song. So this, uh, this is a song that straight after Rustic Roots, I'll be in New Orleans working on filming a music video for this song called Louisiana Love Thang. And uh, nice. playing piano and guitar on the track. Roll it. Yeah. <laughs> 
girl of my dreams Louisiana love thing Sweeter than a choir singing The sweetest thing I know Grinning and swimming in the rhythm of my daiquiri queen Louisiana love thing Wherever she's hanging, that's where I call If we want to buy some of your music or listen to it, where can yeah. we find it? You can be directed to everything at Rick Robertson Music. That's Rick with no K. R-I-C-R-O-B-E-R-T-S-O-N music.com. So if you enjoy what you're listening to, you can support us by it joining the River of Suck swim team for as little as $1 a month. Holy crap. That's right. That's We've got deal. some swim team members here. Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else are you going to do with that dollar? 
Well, you're going to get extended interviews. You're going to get full high quality downloads of all the music that we played. You can go download the Earth String Band recording with Eric and I. You're going to get so much, so much music, so many interviews. (laughs) Sounds incredible. Because there's things that were magical that were said. You didn't just hear them in the edited episode. So you have to dig deeper to get them. I want to thank you guys, the Rustic Grushins, for being here for a live podcast recording. (laughs) Yeah, that was was fun. Thank you, Rick Robertson. Thank you, Andy Reiner. You're awesome. You're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) No one ever said swimming across the River of Suck would be easy. And nobody said you had to do it alone. That's That's right. right. Here we are. (laughs) My name is Andy Reiner. And my name is Rick Robertson. (laughs) Till next time, keep swimming. Swimming down the river. Yeah, you better swim fast. Thought piranha. Gonna bite your ass. Learn more about Rustic Roots Music and Food Retreat in Colorado at rusticroots.net. Next year's dates are August 18 to 24, 2020. Join us for campfire jamming, farm-to-table food, music workshops, and a week of comfortably living outside with new friends. 13,000-foot mountains tower over the valley as we join together for life-affirming and life-changing experiences. If you are a musician or you just appreciate being around campfire music and you love food, meet us in Colorado for the 10th annual Rustic Roots Retreat in 2020.